This is Designing the Revolution. You're listening or watching Chapter 26, Going into Battle, the Security Forces. All right, so we're doing two episodes here. We've just done an episode on uh, removing the power of the liberal class as a revolutionary project. And in this episode, we're going to look at the uh, parallel going into battle objective, which is creating the defection of the security forces. I've used the word security forces because depending on the society you're in and the time and what have you, sometimes this can be the police, sometimes it can be armed police, sometimes it can be the army, sometimes it can be all three. But what I'm basically referring to here is the people who create the physical force to prevent radical political change happening. Um, so there's a definition. So what I'm going to say in this episode might be looked upon and probably would be looked upon as counterintuitive. Because if you looked at a series of episodes on revolution and you came up you came onto a episode about rioting you'd probably expect the person to go writing's great that's the beginning of the revolution you know in the public mind this is what revolutions are they're violence they're aggression they're young people throwing stuff on the streets they're battles with the police and this is it this is what it's all about um but these, this, this podcast, as I keep reminding people, <laughs> is called Designing the Revolution, right? It's not about revolutions. It's not about knee-jerk reactions. It's not about the romanticism of it. It's a serious project to design a revolution that's going to be effective. A revolution that's going to be effective has two criteria for that effectiveness. It needs to win power and it needs to win the peace. So it needs to win the war and it needs to win the peace. In other words, it's not enough to overthrow the regime. Overthrowing the regime is a one-week affair for the sake of argument. Who cares, right? What's important is what happens the following year and in the following five years and, you know, hopefully over the following 500 years. Um, so I'm going to make this proposition, which is that... Engaging in aggression towards the security forces as a strategy is objectively reactionary. In other words, rioting is objectively reactionary. Now, I want to separate that strategic analysis from the emotional or uh, visceral reaction. So it's perfectly understandable that people want to riot. I mean, I'm doing this this episode while there's riots in France over a person of colour being shot by the police. It's entirely understandable that people are mad as hell. It's entirely understandable that they want to engage in violence. It's entirely understandable that they want to destroy everything around them, including the assets of people similar to them. Because... It's an outpouring of emotion. It's an expression of rage. That's entirely compatible with the understanding 
that strategically it's a disaster, right? Now, the other thing to say about this is when we say strategically it's disastrous, when we're saying objectively it's reactionary, we're not saying in every circumstance, in every moment of history, a violent uprising, mass rioting doesn't have positive effects and sometimes it has significant positive effects. We're using a sophisticated analysis of saying we don't want to cherry pick. We need to look at the whole literature. We need to look, for instance, like Eric Kuchenyov at 300 case studies. We need to understand that sometimes it works, but most of the time it doesn't. And we need to understand the reasons for that. What design means is that you design the path, the design which is most probable to work, right? Doesn't guarantee it. And you certainly don't design in elements that have a low probability of working relative to another strategy, okay? This is like proactive design. It's like we're going into the public space and we're creating a situation which maximizes winning the war and winning the peace. So there's two fundamental problems with aggression towards the security forces. And this covers a multitude of sins, as it were, to we're not talking to the police, we're going to hurl insults at the police, we're going to like throw stuff at the police to we're going to have a full-scale civil war. So this is all part of a continuum of highly problematic strategic choices. So the first reason why this is highly problematic is because there's overwhelming evidence that rioting and violence towards the security forces pushes the middle ground towards the right and pushes the right towards the far right. So, for instance, in France at the moment, you know, I think there's evidence and there'll probably be increasing evidence that support for the National Front will go up. So this is one of the sort of myopic elements of what you might call the revolutionary left traditionally is they just, they're in a bubble. They're going, everyone supports the rioters, everyone supports this violent uprising. No, they don't, right? If you want to do that properly, you need to study the whole of society, not just the 10% of people you're in the bubble with or the people on those estates, right? What you're going to provoke is a fascist reaction. And of course, the one thing fascists love is violence because you're on their territory, right? Um, so another word for this, as we've discussed in previous episodes, is um, overpolarization. What overpolarization means is they're not coming back, right? There's consensus, everyone's pretending to be happy. There's polarization where people really don't like you, but it's still possible to engage in dialogue and come to some, you know, common orientation of agreeing to disagree, let's say, through various sociability mechanisms. And then there's overpolarization, which is people just do not turn up to the space. People are going, you've killed police people, you know, we're we're supporting the state, we're supporting authority, we're supporting the church, we're supporting the traditions of this country. We're not even going to talk to you guys. And if we have to kill you, so be it, right? So this is the you know, the degeneration into civil war sort of orientations. And of course, you get that reflected on the left as well, where people are going, we're not even going to talk. 
to the piece and all, all the rest of it. So this is great if you want to create like a degenerative situation in terms of the quality of the social space and we've talked about the whole violence issue but the point the point is here is this is intrinsically reactionary if we define reactionary as a mode of operation that brings about the degeneration of society into violence hierarchy excluding ordinary people and all the rest of it as a juxtaposed to a strategy that creates popular democracy where young people very young people, women, uh, older people, the whole mass of the demos can participate in a revolutionary episode. Okay, so there's another sort of major problem, um, which is the loss of the opportunity, okay? So if you're engaging in this spectrum of activities towards the security forces from, we don't talk to the police, we're going to be aggressive, we're going to, you know, hurl stuff at them through to the civil war scenarios. What, what you're doing is, unsurprisingly, is making the security forces go, fuck you, right? They're going to be going, we don't care about these rioters. We don't care about people of colour. We don't care about anything. What we care about is maintaining ourselves. And it creates like an overbonding within the security forces. And they hate you and they're going to you know, escalate the situation, which results in armed conflict uh, traditionally. This is reactionary. Provoking this reaction is reactionary because, according to a revolutionary analysis, the people that actually physically opposite you on the street are not the opponent, right? If we do a proper strategic analysis, classically speaking, there's the ruling class, there's the administrative class, and then there's the enforcers of social order. The people who are the opponents are the ruling class, the actual elites that control the system. The administrative class like, are complicit in that, like the liberal class, and they need to be challenged, right? But the people on the front line the important thing to understand about the people on the front line is, is if they stop enforcing the will of the ruling class, the ruling class has no material power. This is sort of the light bulb moment of what you might call a mature revolutionary strategy. And this strategy goes back, you know, hundreds of years, as we'll discuss in a minute. In other words, like, it's not smart, okay? Again, I want to emphasise, it's totally understandable. Right? It's totally understandable. Uh, that's not the issue. The issue is, does it work? Right? And what's, what's happening here is you're looking at the immediacy of the time and space. There's the police. They're doing in our community. We're against the police. Right? That's not like smart in terms of thinking about the overall strategy. And it sort of mirrors another sort of narrow time and space analysis, which is to do with helping the poor like we discussed an episode or two about ago about food banks it's like the poor they're hungry give them food it's charity it works it's like yes it's understandable it's terrible to see people starving it's terrible to see people going hungry all these kids let's do this knee-jerk reaction and go yeah we're going to create food banks for them 
But the strategic analysis is the food bank, the, the act of charity dampens the revolutionary moment that is going to remove the system that creates the hunger in the first place. So when I was a teenager, you know, I read these books on reform and revolution, this was a massive debate. And loads of people were saying, you know, people on the left would be saying, charity is, we're totally opposed to charity. What we want is a fucking change in the system. So we haven't got poverty in the first place, right? And all, all that you're doing is making it less bad and drawing people away from actually seeing things as they are. Okay, so let's, you know, that's the argument as it were, right? The project here is twofold. The destruction of the power of the liberal class and the defection of the security forces, where that's the police on police and, and the army. So let's look classically over the last 200 years and take one or two examples of, of, of how this, is, this works. So the central strategic point here is we, once the people on the front line, once those police people, once the people in the army go, I don't want to shoot people anymore. I don't want to, you know, combat these, these, uh, these unarmed uh, demonstrators. Then the ruling class is in a panic because it's lost, as I said, its material power. So again, everything comes down to the micro design, right? So I'll give you one example. During the Iranian Revolution, and dare I say, the Iranian Revolution wasn't run by like, you know, people <laughs> who were being uh, a bit fluffy about revolution. They made a really clear, strategically intelligent move to say, we want the soldiers, the Shah's soldiers to defect What's stopping the, shot, the, the, the soldiers from defecting is that if they defect, they're going to get shot, okay? So what they did is went up to the soldiers and they said, look, if you go to this safe house, we're going to change your clothes and we're going to get you out of the area and you can escape. And the likelihood of being like shot uh, for defect, the defection is, is minimal. So suddenly you had all these soldiers disappearing into these safe houses, changing clothes, being given ordinary clothes and escaping. And this was a significant factor in the defection. In other words, this is coming back to our design elements we talked about in previous episodes, which is the pathway to action. There's no point going up to the security forces and going, you're really bad, you know, don't do this. People need to know what to do, what they can do is they can go and escape, right? So another element of it is, is talking to and subverting uh, the police and the security forces. So there's these pictures, as people probably have seen, of you know, people putting flowers in, in the barrels of, of guns. And in Western societies, you know, this is... This is looked upon a little bit like, oh, isn't that nice? Isn't it lovely? You know, this is all hippie stuff. No, this is totally smart. Because if, particularly if women go up with flowers and give the flowers to the soldiers or, or do use symbolism to basically de-escalate the, the, the rigidity of the polarisation, the psychological polarisation, between the security forces and the demonstrators, it becomes psychologically 
enormously important, difficult for those soldiers to follow orders, right? In other words, it's, it's not easy to engage in violence, plenty of research on it. It's not like you just turn it on. You've got to be animated. You've got to have this like micro herding. You've got to be surrounded by people that are being violent uh, to, with, with you. Once that starts breaking down, then you're pro, you can proactively stop this from happening. Again, not every time, you know, all these things that are, are probabilistic, obviously. So this, th there's a whole range of, of moves here, you know, older women, grandmothers going up to young soldiers and, you know, saying, just, you know, put gun down, don't be so stupid. I'm like your mum, you know, blah, 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 blah. Then there's other influences like the Catholic Church in, I think, 1984 in the Philippines. The priests were going up to these peasant soldiers going, you're expecting to get into heaven. God's telling you not to do this. So in classical civil resistance episodes, you've got the business people, you've got the grandmothers, you've got the priests, you've got the other young people. And they're talking to what are objectively people who should be on your side, i.e. working class people who've been forced into or found an opening through coming into the army. And this dynamic happens over and over again, that many of the people in the army, because they objectively should be on the side of the people, it's not actually that difficult to get them on the side of the people as long as you maintain non-violent discipline and as long as you go in for this carrot and, and stick approach, right? you know, the humiliation, the shaming, but also providing like pathways to escape. So, you know, here's a, a, a scenario for the, for the present moment in Western societies, right? So again, this isn't necessarily be or end all, but I'm just showing it as an example. So you go up to the police person and you go, here's a sheet of A4. Would you like to know about what the police people are thinking about um, this revolutionary episode we're engaged in, you know, to stop our society from collapsing, blah, blah, blah. You have a little chat with them and they say, no, I don't want any sheets of paper. And then you say, okay, so here's like a little card, just a little card, little business card like that. So the psychology is, is you've been really pleasant to the guy, you know, you don't want to take a big sheet because that's too public, but he will take a little card because he's already said no to the big sheet. He's more likely to take something small. That's how the psychology works. So he's going to put it in his pocket. He's going to look at it when he gets home. On the card, it's going to say something like, you know, there's variations on the theme. It's going to say something like, are you aware that pussy, you know, arresting people who are uh, engaged in uh, climate protest is potentially illegal? Uh, many police, police people are looking into this. Here's a telephone number and a website if you want more information. So what you're doing is, is you're, you're putting in doubt, right? You're putting in doubt that the regime that they're, they're, they are protecting is not going to be around for very much longer. And they could be in a big mess, like that's a stick. But the carrot is they can go and speak to other people, other of their peers in some potentially like anonymous way, and they can start making connections through sociability dynamics. They're going, actually, I didn't sign up for this. You know, I don't particularly like these demonstrators. I don't particularly care about the climate, but I've been doing this like for three weeks now. This is not what I signed up for. Why don't we make a statement together? So then some neutral party, like someone from the church or someone, uh, some ex-police officer says, here's a statement, you can sign it. And you can say, we're pissed off. 
you know, we shouldn't be used for political purposes. We are now considering uh, not arresting climate protesters, right? So this is like, you know, what I'm hoping you're going to get out of this episode is this light, light bulb moment when you realise, particularly in liberal democracies and Western societies, it's slightly different in other societies, obviously, is the, the, there will be a total panic if a critical mass of police officers, and certainly a critical mass of people in the army, make a public statement that they're no longer going to do what the regime wants them to do, right? And it only has to be a hint, because all these politicians... They have no power unless they're given power by the people in the police to enforce their will. So it only has to be a little tiny hint of it to create a, lots of panic. Now, again, we don't quite know because it hasn't happened, but theoretically, we know it doesn't have to be a big deal. And so this is a pathway, like with Gene Sharp says, this is one of the primary pathways through which the regime starts to crack and they come to the negotiating table. And there's certainly scholars who will argue that this is the primary mechanism, right? This getting the security forces defect. It's not some, yeah, and you can do this on the side. This is the primary mechanism, right, of going into battle. What are you trying to do here strategically? You're trying to get these security forces to defect. And here's a bunch of mechanisms and you're going to mess around with them, of course. Okay, so this is a big deal stuff, which is why I'm you know, being quite vigorous, as you might say, and saying the whole rioting paradigm, totally understandable, totally disastrous in terms of actually getting substantial structural change. And this applies to racism, it applies to climate, it applies to the social question. So two more little thoughts, you know, to entertain you with, as you might say. So one is, again, to emphasise there's nothing hippie-ish, ethical liberal about what I'm saying here, right? It's hard-headed revolutionary design, which goes back, you know, 100, 200 years. So a little example is no one would accuse, you know, Lenin of being particularly liberal. But the primary, like, strategy of the Bolsheviks before the Russian Revolution was to get the soldiers to back the Bolsheviks. They didn't go up to the soldiers and say, you're all fascists and terrible things would happen to you, and all the Bolshevik members were throwing stones at the, at the working-class soldiers. That was like a stupid strategy. What they were doing was they're talking to the soldiers and saying, you've been treated really, like, beyond shit way by the ruling, Russian ruling class and the Tsar. You should come over to us, and we're going to make a revolution together, and you're going to get fed you're going to be treated decently, there's going to be peace with Germany, blah, 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 right? So there was a proactive, central strategy to say to the soldiers in, in Petrograd to basically come over to the Bolsheviks. And they did, and, you know, there's a strong argument to say that's why they, made, that's why they kept power, because they had that material basis of, for their revolutionary activity. Um, yeah, so, what's this? Yes, the other point here is, the other point is just to emphasise, in a modern social, you know, liberal democracy, 
the police aren't, what you're trying to get the police to do, the army to do, is not agree with you, okay? What you're trying to get them to do is defect from the political class. Those are two separate things, right? So as a strategy, what you're trying to do is use people like people in the church or people, uh, ex-military people, ex-police people to say, you're being treated as a pawn. You're being, treat you're being used. Your job is not to do this week after week, right? Which is to go against ordinary people of this country, blah, blah, blah. You're being used for political purposes. In other words, you need to become neutral. You don't have to come over to the revolution. You don't have to come over to the to demonstrate. All you have to do is to go, hang on a minute, it's not our problem, right? You know, we're here to create public order. We're not here to go week after week, like against the people of this country, right? We're here to support the state and society, not the regime. So it's this like light bulb moment where they're going to go, the regime is not the state. Now, a problem in France at the moment is the police force confuse the two. They think, the state is the regime. No, the regime is a particular arrangement of the state where a particular class of people are in control. You can remove that arrangement and you can remove that ruling class and you can have a new state, right, which we're going to talk about more in future episodes. Uh, so this is, this is the move, right, which is get them to become neutral. And neutral means they're not going to come after you. All right, so there we go. You know, these are two really big moves that we need to like get embedded and convince people of because without them, you're just not going to get into the main battle and, and win. So those, that's the first battle. That's the moves into battle, right? It's into battle we go. In the next episode, we're going to take a step back and we're going to look at what actually is the programme. What actually are we saying to the public is going to happen? Why is this revolutionary project actually going to be different and concrete and positive, right? We've got to have some answers to those questions. And to get answers, we need to delve back into the nature of what it is to be human and the nature of democracy and how we can create a 21st century state, which is all the pro-social, ecological sort of criteria that we, that we want. So there's plenty more episodes to come. Thanks very much.